0: Some of you are probably wondering, Brother Donnie, when did it become Easter? <laughs> right video, wrong purpose there at the, at the point of that. But the part of this, the reason why we showed that video is that today is a new day, amen? Uh, today is a new day, and we've been going through, or we just started a, a brand new sermon series this past Sunday called What Are You? afraid of. And so you're going to see how we use this new day as part of this this series and the scripture that we're going to look into this morning. So today is a brand new day. It's a brand new opportunity to, to worship God, to come together as church family, and to praise his name. And I'm thankful that we have that freedom, aren't you? Amen. And so thank you for Billy and the choir for leading us this morning, preparing our hearts for worship. Uh, Thank you for the children's sermon. Austin always does an excellent job. Uh, Thankful that he was with the kids yesterday, and uh, I know it was good for Madden and and Kyson and some others to get out of the house and to have a day that wasn't filled with iPods and iPads and YouTubes, Uh, but they got to go, and they got to learn about Jesus and be around other children, and I'm so, so very thankful uh, for that. Do want to say, though, real, real quickly, uh, if you have a snake problem, you can call Neil Howey. Um, Neil, you can smile. I know you heard me back there, brother. Uh, Neil is a professional snake handler. And, and so if you don't believe me, you can ask him after the, the sermon is over. Uh, but he was cleaning up his uh, porch the other night and uh, said he hadn't cleaned it up in quite a while. Snake jumped out, ran right across his arm. And uh, it just obeyed him, and so I thought that was pretty neat. He said, don't bite me, and it didn't bite him. And, and so uh, if you have any snake issues, uh, go see Mr. Neil Howie, and, and I promise you that uh, he will take care of that. And then as far as candy is concerned for Trunk or Tree, you can bring those into my office, and we, we will take care of that as well. Hershey's and Kit Kats for the kids, um, and and. And we'll leave those in my office. I love Halloween time. I don't love it because of the purpose of people will say, well, we're supporting uh, a satanic holiday. No, we're not. Not in my opinion. In my opinion, we're giving kids a, a an opportunity to come and to get candy in an environment that loves Jesus and an environment that loves them. And that's what we're going to do. I know there's other churches that say, well, we're not going to support that holiday. Uh, you know what? We don't have to support the negativity of the holiday. We can support the positivity of that holiday. And that's coming together in fellowship, and worship, and giving kids a safe avenue to come through a church and to get family uh, or candy, and for them to see what a family looks like. Amen. A church family that wants to maybe get to know them, uh, a church family that wants to love them, church family that wants to encourage them. And so I pray we're going to put a sign-up sheet for trunk or treat coming real, real soon. I would love to have our parking lot filled with cars handing out candy to children that live in Cecil and Hardin County. Amen. Uh, to me, that's what it's all about. To me, it's about community. To me, it's about family. To me, it's about showing the love of Christ so others can see what it is that we have in us. And so church, listen to me real quick. Do me a favor. I want you to invite. I know we are in a pandemic. I know that people are hurting. I know that there are families that are hurting. And one of the things that this pandemic has done to the church over the last six or seven months, it's took our connection away. It's taken our closeness away. It's taken our fellowship and our Sunday schools and our Wednesday night stuff away. And I'm telling you, families need this. You need this. And I want to encourage you to invite. I want to encourage you to be committed and to be dedicated. I want to encourage you so people will see that this is the most important person, Jesus Christ, in my life. And they got to see that through who? They got to see that through you. So I want to encourage you to make Jesus a commitment. I want to encourage you to make your church a commitment. And when you do, when we start doing this, you're going to see this church explode. You're going to see more children, and you're going to see more youth, and you're going to see more adults getting saved and getting baptized and becoming part of our fellowship, and you're going to rejoice in that. Amen? Because God is good, and God is good all the time. I pray that you got your Bible. We're going to be in First Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 16 this morning. So First Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 12 through 16 this morning as we talk about something that I guarantee you the majority of us can relate to, and that's the fear of our what? That's the fear of our past. We've all dealt with this, haven't we? We've all dealt with the fear of our past, we've all dealt with some anxiety, we've all dealt with the fears, we've all dealt with the issues of some of the things that's happened in our past. You know, when we think about the worst of things, I imagine there are several things that kind of pop into our minds, right? When we think about some experiences, how many of y'all have ever got bad food? Right? How many of y'all have ever got bad service? How many of y'all have ever got food poisoning? Right? Right? So you think about maybe that's some of the worst of things. Other times maybe we think about our behavior. How many times have you have you looked back and you thought to yourself, you know what? Man, I was just rude. I was just ugly. I had a very bad attitude that day. And God, that was part of the worst of me that I don't ever want to see again. How many of us have ever had those moments? We've all had those moments, amen? And sometimes we think about performance, right? Sometimes we think about, man, that was one of the worst games that I've ever played in my life. (laughs) I mean, there's Sundays that have went by and I thought to myself, Lord, I couldn't have preached a worse sermon, amen? Or how many times have we ever taken a test in school and we failed it and we we tell ourselves after that, well, that's exactly what I deserve because I procrastinated. I didn't study. And so we think about even performance when we think sometimes of the worst things in our life. Or maybe you tried your hand at cooking, right? Maybe you tried, you, you, you got brave, and one night it's like, I'm going to cook, and you make supper, and nobody would even eat it, not even the dog. Amen? I mean, I probably have been there a couple of times. But when we, when we think about the worst of things, these are some of the things that, that we think about. So how are we going to relate this? Well, the man that we're going to talk about, the man we're going to look at this morning, and we just finished a long series in the book of Acts, so you all should be very well acquainted. We're, we're going to talk about this individual. He, he considered himself to be the worst of sinners. And you may think to yourself, well I, well, I wonder why that is. Well, he had many reasons to think about himself in this manner. This man that we're, that we're going to talk about today, he was well-educated. This man was well-respected within the Jewish circles as a, as a Pharisee and a believer in the one God. But this man, at one time in his life, he, he despised, he opposed Jesus as the Son of God. He went to great lengths to oppose Christianity. He persecuted Christians. He imprisoned Christians. And some Christians may have even had perished because of this man's anger against Christianity. At one time in this man's life, he was the face of Christian terrorism that put fear in the hearts of many Christians. So I want you to think about this as we go through this journey with each other this morning. I want you to really ponder hard on this. You ready? How in the world could there be forgiveness How in the world could there be grace? How in the world could there be mercy and a new beginning for such a person as the man that we're going to look at a little bit this morning? Does one's past keep an individual from having a new day and a future with Jesus Christ? See, I think many people, this is where they get I think many people get to this point in their life, they think to themselves, you know, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I've said a lot of bad things, I've acted in a bad way, I've showed myself in a bad way, and so they think to themselves, you know what, I know church is good, I know God's good, but there's no way that I just want to get involved in this because of my what? Of my past. But you know what God does to your past? He takes that and He polishes that. And he can make it something that's brand new. Amen. And he can use that. He can use your past to help you reach others for Jesus Christ in his presence and in their future. I want you to look at First Timothy chapter one, verses twelve through sixteen. Listen to this word of God. I said, here it is. This is Paul, and he's talking to Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. And even though I was once a blasphemer, I want you to listen to to him. This is as personal as you can get. This is as transparent as you can get with anyone. This is Paul telling Timothy everything that's on his heart. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. I was a violent man. Sounds pretty rough, doesn't it? But listen to this. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And here's a trustworthy saying that that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen to these words, church, are you ready? Of whom I am the what? The worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us this morning to come in and to worship your holy name. Father, we, we thank you so much for our church family. Lord, we thank you for just the opportunity to, to be together and to sing holy praises and to give, Lord, unto you. And, and God, we thank you for our children and our youth and the, the opportunity they had yesterday with Austin. We thank you for Billy and, and the choir and everything that they're doing. And, and God, Lord, I can't imagine. God, life is so hard right now. I can't imagine people going through life without a church family. There's so many people that are hurting. There's so many families, God, that are hurting. And Lord, this is the best place they can be for husbands and for wives, for boyfriends and girlfriends, for people that are just friends in general. No matter what age they may be, from kids, our children, our youth, our adults, Lord, this is where they need to be. And so, Father, I pray for everyone that's here this morning. Lord, I know there's a lot going on in lives. There's a lot going on in our hearts. Father, we need you. So, Father, I pray that you would just bless us today. Father, I pray the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, God, would just just be with each and every one of us and open up our hearts, Lord. And, Father, for those that are here this morning that are so fearful of their past, they won't make a move for you. God, open up that life. Remove those barriers. Remove those stones. Father, today can be a new day. We pray for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I, I want you to listen to this, this quote. It's almost more of like a story, but I want you to listen to this because I think if we, if we will listen and, and digest it, it goes really far with a lot of folks. Someone once said the reason they stopped going to church was because of all the hypocrites who went there. Now granted, no one's perfect. However, there's a flaw with this excuse. The story continues. When you go to church looking for perfection in others, you're not seeing the perfection of the only one who matters. And if you're not there for him, you're probably right just to stay home. Others have said the reason they don't go to church is because they don't believe people can really change. If you've never been the recipient of this change, it would be difficult to understand. But again, the focus is wrongfully on the person and not on Christ. That speaks loudly of where we're going this morning with this man. Now, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he heard a small voice, didn't he? And the small voice cried out and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, Who who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, who's persecuting. He replied. And for three days he was blind. He didn't eat. He he didn't drink. And the Lord called to a disciple named Ananias, and he told Ananias to retrieve Saul. But Ananias was reluctant. He was hesitant. He had heard about all the harm that, that Saul had been doing and what was going on. But the Lord told him, he said, Go, this is my chosen Instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel. And so Ananias, he went to Saul, he placed his hand on him, and the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately something fell off of his eyes like scales, and Saul could see. He got up, he was baptized, he, he ate, he regained his strength, and he began to preach in Damascus that Jesus was the Son of God. So what happened? Well, many people doubt it. Paul's conversion because of his what? Because of his past. Even the disciples didn't believe that Paul had been saved. Paul had been given a new opportunity. Paul had been born again. Paul had been made into a new creation. He had been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the emphasis wasn't on Paul because Paul nor us can do it by ourselves. Amen? The change occurred because of who? The change occurred because of Jesus. That's why the change occurred. So I want to focus on the change through Christ and notice. I want you to notice how Paul explains this, this change to Timothy. Look at verse 13. This, before we jump into this, this sermon outline, look at verse 13. Paul tells Timothy that he was... A blasphemer. You with me? That he was. Now what's blasphemy? Well, blasphemy in the Greek, it literally means to speak harm. So this is an attitude of disrespect, the state of unbelief that includes actions against Jesus and the church. And this was Paul before his conversion. And not only did Paul not believe in Jesus, but Paul tried to get others not to believe in who? Not to believe in Jesus. Next, he, t- he tells Timothy this. He says, I was, or he was a persecutor. So this means exactly what it sounds like. Pa- Paul tried to drive out believers in any way that he could. Paul was an anti-what? Christ. He was an anti-Christ. And then Paul tells Timothy that he was a violent man. Now, your Bible may use the word injurious, which means insulting. It means abusive language. It means a shameful act or wrong. Now, I can't begin to think how many Christians Paul showed this type of behavior toward. I'm sure that it was many. So I want you to notice, though, these words that Paul used here. He says that he what? That he was. This is who I used to be. You know, a lot of times people will say, you know, when Paul got saved, he didn't have a choice. Or when Paul got saved magically, he forgot all about his what? His past, but he didn't. Paul didn't forget about his past, but he he didn't forget that he was a blasphemer. He didn't forget that he was a persecutor. He did not forget that he had been a violent man. But he says, this is who I used to what? This is who I used to be. So this is who Paul used to be. A Christian terrorist who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. So what changed? What changed? I I, I hear so many men, they'll say, you know, Donnie, I'm just not going to change. A lot of men fit this role being maybe violent, people that don't like Jesus, people that don't like the church. And you know, one of the favorite things that I love to see in the church is when a man comes into the church, and then they give their life over to Jesus, and they're sitting there sobbing like a little baby. I love to see it. I love to see when men say, there's no way that Jesus can save me, because, Nana, you don't know what I've done in my past. Well, listen, brother, you don't know everything I've done. But God's not worried about that. Amen? God knows who you can be. Now you're right. You cannot do it by your what? You can't do it by yourself. How many of us have tried to fix us and we realize that we just cannot fix us by ourselves? There's something we need. There's someone that we need. And so here's where your sermon outline begins this morning. You ready? Paul's change occurred because of number one. Our past doesn't keep us from the what? The mercy of Jesus. Amen? The past does not keep us from the mercy of Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance. I acted in unbelief. Paul had no idea that he even needed mercy. In his mind, he was doing God's will by getting rid of the heretical movement that was sweeping through the lands, that was sweeping through his Jewish people. So, what's this word word mercy mean? Well, it means that Jesus shows compassion, it means he shows tenderness toward all of humanity, and his mercy is experienced through a relationship with who? Through Jesus. When you think about the word mercy, you think about a punishment being withheld that we deserve. That's what mercy is. Think about this. We can't save ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves of sinfulness, and we can't be good enough. But God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to cancel our sin by sacrificing His perfect Son, and whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting what? Everlasting life. Mercy. Something that we don't deserve, but Jesus gives it to us, what? Anyway. So why in the world would Jesus show mercy towards someone like Paul? Well, the answer is in chapter 2. Paul tells Timothy, he said, This is good and it pleases God our Savior. He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the what? of the truth. So Brother Donnie, you're telling me that God wants all men to be saved absolutely. Brother Donnie, you're telling me that God wants all children and all youth and all women of all all ages of everywhere in this world to be saved absolutely. That's how much he loves you. He loves you to give you something that you did nothing that you could ever deserve. Amen? And so he sent Jesus to make that atoning sacrifice for every single person. All of us. We didn't deserve Jesus. Amen? We still don't deserve Jesus today. You think about all the things that we do. The sinfulness, the the hatefulness, the violence, the persecution, the things that we do in our life. And Jesus is still right there with us. He's going to love you through every mistake and every downfall, every persecution, every trial, every tribulation, every negative that you go through, through life. Jesus is still right there with who? With you. You know, Austin talked about dogs, how no matter what you do to them, they always come back and lick you. They always come back and they want that head rubbed or they want that belly rubbed or they they want to be right there beside you no matter how you treat them. Well, let me tell you something. God created dogs. And so you're seeing the love of the Creator, amen? Because that's how He is with you. That's how He is with us. Paul had been forgiven. First John 9 says that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just, and He's going to forgive us of those sins. He's going to purify us from all that unrighteousness. And many times people think, well, I can't come to Jesus because of my past. He's going to forgive you, brother. He's going to forgive you, sister. He's going to forgive you of the person that you used to be. He's going to make you into something what? He's going to make you into something new. He's going to use that life, and he's going to turn it into something that you never even thought was possible because you couldn't do it on your own. But with Christ, we know all things are what? All things are possible. Paul experienced the mercy of Jesus firsthand. And so can you because our past doesn't keep us from his what? It don't keep us from his mercy. And then Paul's change also occurred because of number two. Our past doesn't keep us from being what? Showered with the grace, faith, and love of Jesus Christ. Our past doesn't keep us from being showered with the grace, faith, and love of Jesus. Look what Paul tells Timothy. Paul tells Timothy that he had received, and this is verse 14, an abundance of grace. The man that did not deserve it says that I now have received an abundance of what? Of grace. And this is God's merciful kindness. It's undeserved, but God gives it anyway. Why? Because of Jesus. And this abundant grace was a reminder to Paul and to us that Jesus, He offers forgiveness, He offers the Holy Spirit, He offers abundant life, He offers eternal eternal security, He offers reconciliation, and Jesus offers a new beginning. Amen. He offers us a new day. Paul tells Timothy he received abundant faith. This is a conviction of truth that Jesus is exactly who He says He what. Who He is. And listen to me, you want to know who Jesus is? He's the Creator, amen? He is the Creator of all things. You want to know who Jesus is? Jesus is the Healer, amen? Jesus can heal you physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is who Jesus is. Jesus, He's the Prince of Peace. Even in the moments of downtrodden, even in the moments of anxiety and fear, Jesus is our peace. Who is Jesus? Jesus. He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, He's the Beginning, He's the End, He's the Savior of Mankind, He's our Eternal King. And at one point in Paul's life, he would not have been caught dead admitting to those things. I wonder how many of, of us were that way, amen? I wonder if there was a time in our life that there was no way that we would have ever referred to Jesus as our Savior, as our King, as our Healer, as our Comforter, is our sustainer. Paul goes on, he's not done. Paul tells Timothy, he said, look, brother, he said, I received abundant love. I received abundant love, the love that Christ has for us. The Bible says it's an agape type of love. We don't even understand it's so much love, amen? It exceeds every type of love that we've ever known. 1 John 4, 8 through 10 says this, listen to the verse, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's how much God loves you. An agape amount of love. And at one point in Paul's life, he had no idea what the abundance of Jesus' faith was. He had no idea what an abundance of grace was. He had no idea what an abundance of love was all about. To Paul, it was all about a religion. To him, it was all about a religion. It wasn't about a relationship. To Paul, it was all about abiding in the rules. It was not about loving Jesus. That's not what it was about. Until Jesus saved his life. And until he experienced the love of Jesus. That's when it all changed. That's when it became a new day for Paul. When he finally realized how much Jesus loved him. How much grace that he had for him. And how much mercy he was going to show him. And then Paul's change also occurred because of number three. And you got two words, ready? Our past doesn't have to keep us from being what? from being useful, I want you to put that in, for Christ as we can become an encouragement for who? For others. I want you to read that, and I want you to digest that. Our past doesn't have to keep us from being useful for who? For Jesus, as we become an encouragement for others. Paul told Timothy, he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Now, the NIV uses the word service. The King James uses the word ministry. Now, what was Paul's ministry? Well, Acts 9, 15 says, This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. So think about this. Paul was going to take the gospel of Jesus to all what? To all people. A gospel in which he had previously denied, persecuted, And tried to destroy. Now he was the biggest advocate for Jesus Christ. Think about that. Think about that. So many people come to the church or they won't come to the church because they're so afraid of their past. They're so afraid. God cannot use me. Church, listen to me. If God could use the worst of sinners, he can still use you. Amen? So what are you fearful of? What are you scared of? Because I will tell you right now, whatever is in your past, God can use to glorify God. He can use it. Well, Donnie, you don't know. I've been an alcoholic. Well, guess what? There may be somebody in your church that's dealing with that same issue, and God's going to use you to help that what? That person. Donnie, you don't know. I've been through a horrible divorce. Well, guess what? Maybe there's somebody in your church that needs your encouragement. Well, Donnie, you don't know. I've been a horrible addict with drugs. Well, guess what? Maybe there's somebody in your congregation that can use your encouragement. Well, Donnie, you don't know. I, w- I walked out on my wife 20 years ago. Well, guess what? Maybe there's a couple in your church that's going through a difficulty now. They could use your encouragement. Don't tell me that you can't be used by God. Because if God can use the worst of sinners, then what are you? What are you? Fear can control your past. Fear can control your present, and fear can control your future, if you let it. Paul so he went on he told Timothy he said but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those that believe on him and receive eternal life when Jesus saved Paul Jesus knew that Paul's testimony it would be a public display of his abundant grace his mercy and his love Because every word that Paul went, Paul would tell him about his what? Four-letter word. His past. And he would say, this is who I used to be, but God saved me, and that's not who I am now. Every word that he went, no matter to men, no matter to women, no matter where he preached it, or where he taught it, or where he sang it, or where he hummed it, every word that he went, he would tell people of who he used to be. But it's not who he is now. Praise God. It's not who he used to be. I heard this recently. It's been said that nature forms us, sin deforms us, education informs us, prison reforms us, but only Jesus transforms us. That's amen. That is amen. Many people can relate or identify with Paul and people will say, well, If I enter the church, surely it's going to burn down. Well, Paul who considered himself the worst of sinners, he didn't burn down the church. But he sure did build a lot of them, amen? (laughs) I want you to think about that. The worst of sinners. He never burnt down a church. But he sure did build a lot of them up. He taught them, he preached, he educated, and he loved them. He could have been scared of his past. He could have said, Lord, I'm not good enough. There's a lot of things that Paul could have said, but he didn't. See, we have a choice. We can believe in Jesus. We can be forgiven. We can receive the Holy Spirit. We can be baptized, and we can follow Jesus, or we can let our past keep us from having a present and a future. Every single one of us that's a Christian has a testimony of how Christ changed us. Every single one of us as a Christian has a testimony of how Christ has transformed us and Satan will tell us that we're not good enough. He'll tell us that our past mistakes has crippled any joy, any hope, any peace, any love that we can have, but Jesus says, I've saved the worst of sinners and I can save you. I can transform you. I can forgive you. I can use you. I will make you into a new creation. I will show you my mercy and I will give you my love and I will show you faith. And all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is trust in me. And I'm going to give you something that you never could find in relationships I'm going to give you something that you never could find in a man and a woman. I'm going to give you something that you could not find in money. I'm going to give you something that you could not find in fame and in glory and material. I'm going to give you something that's going to transform you into something that you never thought was possible. Think about how easy it would have been for Paul to say, God, I just cannot do this because I'm so fearful of who I used to be. But isn't that what brings glory to God? Is saving people who have a past, but they say, My past will not define me because I have a new future with you, Lord. I have a new future with you, God. Now, some of you Christians, you may be here today and you may be thinking, you know, my past is exactly what's keeping me from being the Christian that God wants me to be. And so you've been hesitant about doing things. Maybe there's some of you here today that you've never been saved. You've, you've never come forth and you've never said, Jesus, I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I, I believe you died and you rose again and you did it for me. I want to confess you today as my, as my God, as my Lord. Maybe there's some of you in here today that never have done that. And you know that that's what God wants you to do. Because you're not going to find it in anything else. Amen you're not going to find it in relationships, you're not going to find it in children, you're not going to find it in your jobs, you're not going to find it in your 401Ks, you're not going to find it in your hobbies, you're not going to find it by constantly just running away from the one that created you. Maybe there's a gamut of reasons you need to come and pray this morning. Maybe there's a million reasons you need to come and you need to pray. And say, pass no more. Not today. Because today's going to be a new day. Today's going to be a new opportunity from this day forward, Lord. I'm not going to let my past define who I am and my future. And so as Billy comes and we have our opportunity this morning to come and to pray. I know that God is moving. Amen. I know that the Holy Spirit is stirring hearts this morning. Don't let this be your moment of where you lapse. Don't let this be this moment of where, well, tomorrow's another day. Don't let this be the moment where you tell yourself, well, I've got next Sunday. Because you don't know what you're guaranteed, amen? If God is knocking on your door, why would you ever wait to open it up, amen? This is your day. So as we sing and you stand, will you come this morning?